You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Hello and welcome into another edition of Three Ball. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young from KSTN Online, Cole Manbeck, former B writer for the Manhattan Mercury. We're going to talk some basketball today. K State loses a really frustrating one that they they frankly gave away in Lubbock, sixty to fifty nine, and uh, a little bit of football as well because Chris Kleiman was involved in the Washington head coaching search. So was Lance Leipold. Obviously, it winds up going to Jed Fish. Big 12 all the way around with that one. Plus, K-State did have a high-profile uh, visitor in this weekend at, at wide receiver, former Alabama wideout. So we'll break all that down here on the pod today, uh, starting obviously with hoops. But you know that we don't start one of these without thanking our friends at Holiday Distillery. Whether it's 360 Vodka or Ben Holiday Bottled in Bond Bourbon, they've got the spirits to keep you warm. I mean, it's cold as absolute hell outside. Uh, I can tell you as a new homeowner learning the lesson of not letting pipes freeze having a frozen pipe here for a little while uh that drove me to want to drink so if that happens to you you, you got to make sure you have the ben holiday bottled and bond bourbon on hand or the 360 vodka they will hook you up great k-state folks who uh love the cats and support our pod so please do support them all right well if you are a patreon member i will shout this out patreon.com slash three mile you've already heard Cole and I discussed this game ad nauseum as we did a, a live post game immediately after the game on Saturday when K-State lost by one in Lubbock. So again, patreon.com slash 3 if you want access to that and other exclusive bonus content, plus the uh, Discord, which is also very lively this weekend with all the coaching stuff going on uh, with the Washington job open, the Alabama job open. You're, you're getting little tidbits of inside info there on the Discord, basically a big group chat. Uh, so it's patreon.com slash 3 for five bucks a month. If you want access to all of that, but man, just a game. Jerome Tang basically said it. I think it was the radio interview with Wyatt that I was listening. He said, like, you know, we really gave this one away and then stopped and said, well, all right, look, uh, Texas Tech took it from us. But I would actually go with his first and probably the more honest of the two answers that I, in case they gave this one away. I mean, they were up nine with less than five minutes to go. Didn't really make a single play down the stretch. And beyond just that, I think if they were just fundamentally sound, block out on a free throw, don't commit a frustration foul, they're probably going to be okay. And they're probably still going to win that game in Lubbock and be 3-0 and um, in Big 12 play right now and have a, a quad one win. Unfortunately, they did not do those things. Texas Tech did show a lot of toughness down the stretch, um, albeit with some controversy and the officiating mixed in at the end. But uh, it all was just enough to, to leave you feeling about as frustrated as possible uh, leaving that one, D.Y. They did the things you have to do to lose on the road, unfortunately, down the stretch. You talked about the, the foul away from the basket. I don't know if that was on McNair or Carter. I think it was one of those two. And, I mean, it's almost underneath your own basket, and they're in the bonus, and it gives them two easy free throws. They only make one, but you don't get to rebound, and they get a three-point play out of that. That sequence was pretty crushing for Kansas State. Uh, without that sequence, as you alluded to, they'd probably win the game, even if, even though they don't play great down the stretch. Um, I don't think they scored you know, in the last three minutes and 21 seconds of the game, so that was problematic. 18 turnovers, that was problematic, uh, even though they did take care of it a little bit better in the second half, I thought. They just worked. And another Jerome Tank quote that was probably pretty emblematic of how this game unfolded, that he said that Texas Tech was the tougher team. Um, they certainly were, and, and that they were the better, and that Texas Tech was the better team in the final four minutes. And they certainly were, and, and at the end of the day, that game came down to those final minutes. I, I think what was most frustrating is not just Texas Tech getting those loose balls, um, and doing so well on the glass versus Kansas State, who's been a pretty good rebounding team this year. It's that Kansas State did even did secure a, a good chunk of those rebounds, and they just weren't strong on the ball. How many times did they have it knocked out of their hands just uh, from behind? Um, I think McNair was probably you know guilty of that on a number of occasions. I think Arthur Kawuma was as well. Uh, David Gasson, the bigs. Uh, it was. A frustrating way to lose because that is certainly a game they should have won. But, and this thing it tends to 
you know, find a way to even itself out. There's probably a couple wins this year that Kansas State is fortunate to have as well. So it's like the law of averages coming back to bite them. A little bit of karma doesn't make it feel any better. But, and and I know this is kind of big picture stuff that we'll probably get into. You know, Mason folks from KSO as well, uh, you made an observation. It's a good one. Uh, of, of the Big 12 teams to, in their first three games to start out with two games on the road, Kansas State's the only one that's got a winning record. Uh, the other teams that played, you know, the majority of the three games on the road do not. So now, fortunately, you had got to play West Virginia as a struggling team. But guess what? They beat Texas at home, so you don't take that win for granted. You don't take anyone on the road for granted. So I think that's a big deal. And we were feeling really yucky about this team about a month ago, maybe over a month ago. And now all of a sudden, they're a hair-pulling-out moment from being 3-0 in the Big 12. And, and obviously, you still like your chances at every game at Bray Much Coliseum, even if the opponent is Baylor in Kansas. So I think this team despite the frustrating way to lose that one, is also trending in the right direction and, and is probably making us all feel a little bit better about them and their prospects. Though I do worry about the backcourt depth of, depending on how long Dave is out because they're already down Quez Glover. And I think part of Tyler Perry's hot and cold that game, I think it was really cold at the end, I think is having to play on the ball for like 38 minutes. I mean, that's tough. And um, for a lot of the reasons you laid out is why it hurts so much to lose that game because you felt like you were in a great position to steal one. Anytime you went on the road, you feel like you're stealing one. And K-State would have already snagged two road victories out of their first three league games. And to be 3-0 and in this league, regardless of who you play, it puts you in a tremendous position. It would have been a quad one victory that sticks for the rest of the season. Tech's a top 30 team and all the metrics, including the NCAA net rankings. Actually, I think they fell to 37th in the net rankings recently, but still a win on the road would have stuck as a quad one, just have to stay top 75 to be a quad one win on the road. So that hurts, and uh, you're up by eight points with three minutes left in the game. You don't make a field goal in the final 320 of the game. The only points you score are the Tyler Perry free throws with around 45 seconds left. You go up two. A couple things that, that really hurt to you guys just pointed out, D.Y., that the Cam Carter, I, th- I think the ESPN play-by-play listed the foul on Cam. It was after he, he went into the paint and he turned it over. Um you know, and then they called the foul, and it was a one and one. They go to the other end, and a 59% free throw shooter makes the front end, misses the second. You have to be ready for him to miss the second. He's a 59% free throw shooter in Warren, Warren Washington. And uh, David Gasson, who's third in the league in rebounding this year, we praised him for his rebounding. He's been tremendous, but he gives up the offensive rebound and gives up a three point play, and, and really what turns into a four point possession. For Texas Tech, they take a 57 to 51 lead to 57 to 55 with two seconds running out the clock. If you do not make that foul, there's two minutes and 35 seconds left in the game when Carter turns that ball over. You're up six. You set your defense, and K State's defense had been tremendous in that game. They hold Tech to 36% shooting from the floor overall, five to 25 from three. If you just go set your defense, make them run 20 seconds, they don't score, you're in a great position to win that game, but they get four points. With, with essentially no time running off the clock. And I think that gets to the point, this game was lost on rebounding. You mentioned, D.Y., they had multiple chances where they had the board. They lost it. There were other issues with the rebounding. K-State's 240th in the country in defensive rebounding percentage, but they're one of the best offensive rebounding percentage teams in the country. They're 12th in the nation there. Uh, but for whatever reason, they were not good on the defensive glass. And uh, Tech ends up getting... Tech missed 17 shots in the second half. They, they offensive rebounded 10 of them. So they got offensive boards on 59% of their misses in the second half. They have 10 boards in the second half on the offensive glass, and they converted that into 12 second-chance points. They only had two second-chance points in the first half, but they get 12 in the second half, and they outscore K-State significantly there, and then obviously in the paint as well. If you look at the uh, the shot chart that K-State puts out in its final stats package after the game, K-State went 9 of 11 right around on shots at the rim, 82% but they went 0 of 11 on other shots in the paint. So a combined 9 of 22 in the paint. Texas Tech went 11 of 15 at shots on the rim, 3 of 10 on other shots at the paint, 14 of 25 in the paint, a far better percentage of what K-State shot. They just, Tech won this game on the interior with their rebounding and their ability to finish on the inside. And free throws and turnovers as well. I mean, well, Tech, yeah. Tech, Tech made 15 free throws. K-State only shot 7, and then turnovers was 18 to 9. Yeah, and and look, I think David Gasson has been playing pretty good basketball, but it was not his best night. Uh, it was, I believe, five points and four rebounds, and he he was the guy that got beat on the box out late. 
So that that's what's tough about it, Cole. You know, I hear you say like they're they're pretty good. They're typically pretty good. You know, kind of is not this this huge issue. And maybe some of it is Tech playing at home just had a, a lot more energy and was better at it. Maybe some of it is they're getting worn down because we talked about it. They've only had a seven man rotation really, and now Day Day's hurt. I mean, they perhaps just need more bodies to go around, somebody else to step up and be able to to steal some more minutes from other whatever it is. But that that's the frustrating thing is it doesn't feel like that's a huge weakness of the team. They just got really beaten there down the stretch when they they needed to be better yeah there's not a lot of deep teams in the big 12 though i mean KU's not deep at all there i think that's pretty well documented i mean tech had six guys play 25 or more minutes and then the next most was seven so yeah well i guess we're kind of i feel like we're working our way down the list of like okay why did this happen like well you know whatever cross that all cross that i mean so what what is it what's the thing was tech was tougher okay Okay. Needing to be better on the road, perhaps, but I don't know. They handled West Virginia pretty well, and they they handled – the thing that was impressive to me about this game really is that they – and they got punched in the mouth pretty good early because they were so bad offensively, and it I had kind of – it was the disappointing part of the entire game. I had just chalked this up to like, okay, it's probably going to be like a 10-point loss. Uh, they don't really have it today offensively. It, it's going to be a frustrating one. And then they go on a 20 to nothing run, and – all of a sudden, you're like, okay, well, th- this is a game that became very winnable all of yeah. a sudden, and then they rip your heart out at the end. Yeah, it didn't finish well. I mean, but and maybe I'll eat my words a little bit, but there's not going to be a lot of teams that are in that good a position to be Texas Tech on the road this year, I don't think. Oh, it's, so, a, it's toughest atmosphere. One, one of the toughest atmospheres they'll play in this year. I yeah. mean, you were, you were there, D.Y. You, you know, the energy was back in Lubbock. Yeah. They, they hadn't had that in a couple of years. Solid. It was solid. I mean, it wasn't good as it was, you know, a few years ago. But, I mean, it was probably 90% full. It really got loud. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I think fatigue can play a factor. I I definitely hear your point because I made the point to John D-Way on the Patreon pod that Tech had their other two bench guys played like four and seven minutes and then the other was 32. So they didn't didn't have a deep bench either. But it is starting to eat away at Kansas State that – yeah, David Gasson plays 33 minutes, and then I think Will McNair played, you know, 30 plus minutes too. And for his body, that's that's a lot with his size to have to go up and down. The 30, 33, 33 for McNair also. Yeah, and then obviously you're you're heavily reliant on Kaluma and Carter. I think the most that a K State's bench guys played was was Dorian at 17, and then what it was like four and two from the other two guys. So. Yeah, you, you need more from your bench and, and to lose Day-Day and obviously Glover and then you're down, obviously, Tomlin. I mean, that that's a lot to put on this, like three rotational guys, three yeah. key guys you're playing without. And you got to think, like, you, you had to take Tyler Perry off the ball or Terry, Tyler Perry off the court. You can't play him 40 minutes. When you take him off the ball, there is literally no other point guard on the team. Yeah, I mean, they're just they're in a really difficult spot because of a lot of things that have been out of their control this year, like injuries and guy getting kicked off the team. And, you know, uh, but it is what it is. They've got 10 of the 13 scholarship players to be able to operate and work with right now. I mean, they're they're kind of in some ways playing with one hand behind their back and they're doing a hell of a job while having that predicament. So, I mean, that's back to Derek's original point in the open. Like, that's a very encouraging thing about where this is going long term. And we can we can talk more about that but yes there are clearly still issues this that does not take away from the frustration and another huge part of the frustration is the officiating particularly right at the end of the game so i do want to uh talk about that but i know well we may be let down by the officials we will never be let down by home field apparel they are great get to homefieldapparel.com and check out the 40 plus options that they have k-state gear that's up there old school logos if you want the old cat script basketball logo my personal favorite they've got it so make sure you get to homefieldapparel.com. You can also shop 100-plus other teams if you want to get that gear. And uh, we're hooking you up with the promo code 3MAW23. You get 15% off your first order with that promo code 3MAW23. We are back in just a moment. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So a couple of things. I mean, I know Cole and I did talk about the officiating quite a bit in the Patreon uh, pod. I, to me, the most egregious thing is, you know, look, K-State lost the game. They puked it away. I'm not, I would not tell you that officiating was the reason that they lost, but they did get a little bit hosed with, I mean, Toussaint clearly traveled before the end one. Just go to at Kurtz on Twitter. I mean, you can see it. It's pretty blatant. He absolutely traveled. Um, and then... The last play, when Tyler Perry is trying to put up a shot, and that's another thing I want to discuss is the calculus behind what they did for the last last shot there. But he's trying to put that up. And Cole, if you go to Cole underscore Manbeck on Twitter, you can see that Arthur Kaluma was set up perfectly for a putback, uh, which would have been right about at the buzzer. But who knows, because the idiots let the clock not run, you know, just mismanaged all the way at the end of the game. Yes? John, I, I, I do want to clarify something there because i uh i'm dedicated and P- texas tech fans were in my mentions that were saying the clock would have expired anyways so i actually ran a stopwatch on the play <laughs> of when the shove when the ball was inbounded i started the clock and when arthur kaluma was shoved in the back there were 1.8 seconds left 5.7 okay. seconds yeah so so, it, it, I mean, even if you wanted to argue this, there would have been over a second left when the foul occurred what easily. And the thing that's important to note there is Arthur Kaluma was positioned perfectly where the ball came off the backboard. He beat his guy to the spot. That's why the guy, like, it's one thing if it occurred way away from the play and it didn't have an impact, but he beat Darian Williams to the spot. That's Darian Williams' fault, and he just puts two arms in his back and just shoves him right in the back. It's blatant. But shout out to Antonio Petty, terrific official who, Missed both calls down the stretch, missed the travel, and then obviously misses the uh, the play there with Arthur Kaluma. Just a, a clown show. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, honestly, a pretty smart play um, by the Tech kid to go ahead and shove because right there it is kind of a chaotic scramble situation. And, like, you're forcing the official to try and – a lot of officials probably are going to swallow the whistle there. Like – not many are going to be, and it's this is stupid. We can debate it. You know, if it's a foul, then it should be a foul, whatever. But with 1.8 seconds left in a final shot scenario, you're not going to get many officials to call a foul off the ball uh, that's going to put somebody at the line with the potential to win the game. So I will give te- it's, it's savvy, savvy by Texas Tech. If you get beat, you, you might as well just do that. And it, it wound up saving the game uh, for Texas Tech and keeping Kaluma from that. But either way, when you see all of that, it's like, damn, I mean, Jesus, dude, like, come on. Um, it was pretty bad. Uh, DUI, where do you stand on how much of your frustration is based on what K-State did versus what the officiating crew did there? Probably the 98% still K-State just because it's about doing smart things, right? Like, don't make that foul. Don't give up the three-point play on the missed rebound. Like, those things are just... 
you could take you could take the game out of the refs' hands if you play your brand of basketball. They they put it in the refs' hands. Uh, yeah, I would I would say two things on that front and echo what DY said. If if you just make a play down the stretch in the final three minutes, make a shot or two in your half court offense, or or get an off get a defensive rebound, you win that game regardless of what the officiating does. But when you allow it to get so close, you put it more in the hands of officials. And a lot of these guys are really bad at what they do. Like Antonio Petty is a really bad official, and so you know he uh, he misses a couple of calls, and uh, unfortunately it it swings the other way. But it, it shouldn't have probably been in that position to where they they could make a, a deciding impact on the game as the officiating crew. But I mean, look, Jerome Tang was clearly frustrated with the officials. I mean, when he made that comment, DY in the post game press conference that thought maybe Tyler Perry could get fouled, but that was a mistake on his end. And I'm paraphrasing because they only shot seven free throws in the game. I mean, Texas tech shot 25 field goal attempts in the paint. K-State shot 22 in the paint. It's not like K-State was just shooting from the arc. I Texas tech attempted two more threes than K-State did in the game. K-State was taking the ball inside. But Tech shot 18 free throws and K-State shot seven. So I think that's that's part of Jerome Tang's frustration. And you mentioned it's a big part of the game. K-State makes five free throws. They make 15. That's 10 points. That's, that's pretty good Pretty good research there, man. I could I could feel you, like, uh, responding to Texas Tech fans in your mentions as you're uh, – I, I mean, Yeah, and, you know, I don't know. They're only through all that. I, I have no – Walms with tech fans, as you guys know, I love tech fans. Like, we had a tech fan subscribe to our Patreon. Shout out to them. But uh, a lot of them just saying, like, you know, it's it's a flop by Arthur Kaluma, stuff like that. Or, you know, have you not watched Big 12 basketball? They don't call fouls like that. And I, I if it's off the ball and away from the play, I, I'm totally fine with it. If it impacts the play and a guy's in a position to make the shot, uh, then I have an issue with it. And I expect an official to do his job. Not many of I unfortunately I do think not many of them again are going to make that call in that scenario, which is it's just kind of a dumb idiosyncrasy of how we officiate sports. But that goes back to the point that you can't leave it in the officials' hands there. And you know the other thing, it's been a it's been like a feast or famine this year at the end of shot clocks or the or rather the end of a half or the end of a game situation when K State has the ball and a chance for the last shot. You've had to Tyler Perry heroics like the Villanova game, obviously, but you've also had a number of times where it's been dribbling it around and it's either a turnover or just a fadeaway terrible shot. And Jerome Tang did say, I even caught like the radio interview, I believe his like direct quote was it was naive of him to think that they could get a foul. Um, but that was some of his thinking was to try and get Tyler Perry in toward the basket to pick up a foul there. Um, and I'm with him. I, I look you probably weren't going to get a foul. And I just don't, I just hate the idea of doing that anyway, man. I mean, Tyler Perry can get you a shot, but if you run some action for him and try and set something up for him, he's just not, I mean, it is what it is. I, I know KSU underscore fans really good about talking about what Perry is and how sometimes we get too frustrated with him because we are expecting him to be a Marquise Noel. Um, we're just expecting him to be something he's not. And he has to play so much of the point as opposed to being off the ball where he could just be a sniper and shoot the ball. But that's exactly it. Like, that's not his game. His game is not beating anybody off the dribble. His game is not finishing at the rim. It's not, I mean, he never does either of those things. So I that was frustrating to me. I love Jerome Tang. I think he's an excellent coach. I did not love that decision because I don't think that's ever going to be a winning proposition trying to get Tyler Perry to do anything other than shoot a three, basically. Shoot a jump shot, at least, uh, in, in that sort of last-second scenario. Yeah, I just don't know what else to do with them. Like, because it has worked sometimes, it hasn't. Others, and I get it. I get the frustration because when it, I mean, has it? I, when 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 has Tyler Perry? When is Tyler Perry getting into the paint worked? I mean, he, I mean, he's what over eighty percent at the rim right now, so I think it works. He is. I thought so. No. I I I don't, I don't know. He, it feels like he struggles at the rim, but I I don't percent from the rim. I don't yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't get to the rim often, but when he does, he's he's made sixteen twos on the season. Um, so, but but he shoots obviously a high percent. So, on two point attempts this year, he's sixteen of thirty nine, whatever that percentage is. I don't know what the rim breakdown is. Yeah, I don't know what the rim breakdown is, or, or how they qualified either. But like, well, who's going to do it though? Because you need somebody, and he's well, the only hurt. Well, wouldn't you want Kaluma or a camp? It's going to be someone. It was going to be someone 
but trying to be someone off the bounce, I would think Cam, Cam. I'm not saying Cam's excellent at it, but he's. I think he's better than Tyler Perry at it. Yeah, but 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 then he has to be the one to shoot it because Cam's not going to create or find someone. Like you're really handicapped in what you can do in those situations. I think Kaluma or Cam could create though. Kaluma's uh, turnover rate's like what? Yeah, I mean, look, I know they've tried to ISO Kaluma at into half situations a couple you, times. You're not dribbling into traffic, you're asking for trouble as well. You get Cam dribbling into traffic, and you're asking him to take a tough two, which he's done all year, missed missed a bunch. Yeah, I I just Cam and Cam and Kaluma are bigger guards, so like I feel like their ability going to the rim to finish. But Kent's two point percentage is the worst on the team right nah, now. Yeah, no, he does take he takes some bad mid range twos. No, I mean, uh, yeah, look, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. But is there a good alternative? I don't. Well, let let's create let's create a distinction between that though. Cam is a much better finisher this year than he was last year. Cam, I'll take Cam finishing at the rim all day over Tyler Perry. All yeah, at, day at, at the rim, Cam is the best. Yeah, we know situations where you're going to have to go one on three at the rim. I don't think so. Well, I mean, look, the officials, the officials showed the ball. You know, he's not going to pass the ball. Yeah. The, the officials showed they're probably not going to call a foul there. So, like that. There's not a good alternative there. What, what, what alternative is to me? Cam driving is a better alternative. Cam driving is a better alternative than Tyler Perry driving. I understand the Kaluma concerns because he's shown to be very, very turnover prone in, in those sort of scenarios. Um, but I would rather have Cam take it in that, in that case. Just me. What, I, I would, I would say that. When Tyler Perry released that ball, though, I, I thought there was a chance it was going in. For obviously, I I didn't think it was an awful shot. I mean, it was what like I thought it was pretty bad. I thought it was pretty you, bad. I mean, I, I I guess I I guess I I well I I guess I put myself in the emotions of watching it. Like when he released it, I I truly thought it might go in, and like I understand, like he created some space there, floating away. I know, but it was what a nine footer, and of course he didn't hit rim. So now the one thing you do when you have Tyler Perry take that shot is. You've got all your size there for a putback. Hint, hint. Uh, Arthur Kaluma crashing the glass, but when you get decleated, it doesn't, you know, do anything for you. So, because a lot of times those situations, what you see is you get the shot up early enough, and it's the putback that beats you. And uh, K State would have had the size there to make the putback because your smallest guy's taking the shot. I know, obviously, Tyler Perry. You know, we can criticize this as much as we want, but we also probably have to recognize that Tyler Perry is the only reason. They beat Villanova with his shot, and the reason they beat North Alabama with the shot at the end to send it. He's also the only reason they got back in the game. I mean, they had that 20 0 run. He had, what, 14 of the points. Yeah. So I, I just want to point out, and I know you know this, John, too, but like, you know, they, they win two games because of Tyler Perry at the end of games. And, you know, you're not going to make every shot. So I, I'm okay with it. I, I think, I think it's a good discussion because there are other options, too. Um, at the end, I, I, I don't have huge qualms with it. I just, I under, uh, yeah, it, 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 it underscores the predicament that they are in because your your best case scenario there is to have Tyler Perry playing off the ball, run some sort of action for him and try to get him open, but you don't really have a great point guard option to be working that, and now teams will know obviously what you're doing. I mean, I'm not naive enough to think that they wouldn't be able to kind of snuff that out and be like, hey, they're obviously going to try and run Perry off some screens or something and get him open here. I, I understand. I get it. Uh, I just, I, I didn't love that, and I hope that there's a counter to it. And maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Maybe they'll just say, hey, we're going to live and die with TP doing this every time down the stretch, and they're, you know, Tang's 100-0 in overtime. Like, they have generally been really good in late-game situations um, or tight games, if you want to if you want to put it like that, but it didn't work out this time. Uh, okay, got to tell you about our friends at uh, DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, bring you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get two hundred instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can bet just five bucks to get two hundred instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Out in Ontario, they're screwed again. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming 
resources. Okay, so where do we go from here? Uh, there are clearly depth issues. Uh, Day Day is going to be out for uh, who knows how long. Jerome Tang said he he rolled an ankle. Is that correct, DY? Rolled an ankle. What what is your expectation for Day Day? I, well, in the press conference, I don't think he said what happened or what it was in our in our press conference between you know we were in there after the game. Okay. So that was he he said I believe that's what he said on post game radio. I listened to the post game radio interview and I believe that's what he told Wyatt that it was a rolled ankle. Yeah, he just told us day to day, day to day for day day, <laughs> day to day. Um, just spell that D A I, people. Yeah, I mean. I think they can survive in the short term with it, but obviously not long term. I, they got RJ Jones a couple of minutes. He played four minutes. Uh, what about like what do we think of Jarrell Culver? We were we discussed this a little bit, Dy, because we had a question about it in the Patreon post game. Jarrell Culver played two minutes, and I think the feeling from some fans was like, hey, maybe they should be using him a little bit more. Uh, what what do you think about trying to get Jarrell Culver a little bit more integrated? It's probably not a bad idea just to alleviate some of the stress that is being put on David Gasson and Will McNair. I mean, playing bigs 32, 33 minutes or more a night is tough, but I will say, even though he's had some good moments this year and to the point where I'm like, okay, he, he probably should be maybe at least part of the rotation. He went in against Tech and he allowed two blow-bys and a foul right away. It was it was not good. Just, I mean, he got taken off the floor pretty quickly because he was making a lot of mistakes. Yeah, he did have a, he had a great effort play. They got a loose ball that gave K State a three that Cam hit, I think, on the offensive end. But I, I do remember the play. He got beat off the dribble and taken right to the rim and gave up a foul. Uh, Tech missed both free throws. But yeah, he, he's got to get lower in a defensive stance and can get taken off the mounts there. But um, yeah, I think they need to give him more minutes. Uh, I just don't think you can. I don't think you can play Will McNair 33, 34 minutes a game at his size throughout the course of the season and expect him to to continue. Um, at the pace that he is. So I, I don't know. I, I think Colbert probably needs an increased time. The one thing I will say, guys, is um, look, we talked about it. When you talk about big picture, and we talked earlier about them potentially being off to a 3-0 and league start, which would have been tremendous. But Parker in our Patreon, our Discord channel, pointed out that K-State currently is number one in the Big 12 in net rating. Uh, and Big 12 play only in three games. They're number two in defensive rating and number two in offensive rating. So, uh, you know, just want to... Yeah, I mean, it helps when you win your first two games by combined 39 points and then only lose by one. So, yeah. plus 38 on the scoreboard. Yeah, so, I mean, the defense the defense has been terrific over the... I think they're at 30... In, I, I ran the numbers. I think they're allowing 37% field goal percentage over the last nine games uh, overall. I... Gosh, where do I have that? K-State's defense, last nine games, 197, 534 from the floor, 37%. Opponents from three in Big 12 play against K-State, 18 to 69, 26%. So defense continues to rise up the uh, the metrics. They're playing really well there. It's just, can the offense catch up? How confident are we feeling about uh, taking, a, taking a stab at Baylor here? I mean, they certainly have not been... They are 3-0 in Big 12 play, right? But they have, they have not looked invincible uh the way that they have played so far this year they they are i think they're very gettable especially at home i guess i'll I'll start with my opinion on it and the way k-state has been playing they've been competitive and i did not expect them to be nearly as competitive as they were in lubbock so i feel like there is a legitimate chance here are you are you guys with me yeah i i said it i think i said it last week maybe week before but any game in Bramlage coliseum i'll I'll give kent state shot john john what's ken palm have for the game you have that uh, readily available. Okay, that's uh, that's a good. Okay, while you do that, while you do that, K- uh, I will say ESPN's BPI index has K State as a fifty-one percent chance to win this game. To your point that you mentioned, they went on the road. That look, so Baylor, they they played four neutral court games in the non-con. They played Duke, Michigan State. That's a hell of a schedule. They played Duke, Michigan State. They played Florida. They played Auburn. They beat an Auburn team on a neutral court to open the season. I think it was season opener. It was the second game. It was very early. And that Auburn win looks really good. Auburn has been terrific so far this season. They played four neutral court games, so they they do win on the way away from home at a decent clip. But on the road, true road games, their only true road game this year at Oklahoma State, who obviously is really struggling, and that game went to overtime. So 
Uh, and, and to your point, like I watched them play. I had it on my second TV watching the Chiefs playoff game on Saturday night and then watching Baylor Cincinnati on ESPN. And it was a Cincinnati had a shot down one with 10 seconds left to win the game and they missed, but it was in Waco. And the BYU game the week before, the few days before that, it was a tight game down the stretch too. Now these are respectable opponents, but it just shows that that Baylor's been in tight situations in all three league games. Ken Palm has it at a thirty nine percent chance to win. Uh, so basically, like a four four out of ten times, K State would win this game. And they have the score seventy three to seventy is what they okay. predict. So yeah. or what he are we gonna call him? He Ken Palm, Mister yeah. Mister Palm. Kim Pomeroy, yeah. Big 12, Big 12 discussion in general, I would say. I don't think they're any good, but I'll, I'll pause on judging Oklahoma State too harshly. Now, I think this is it's going to conclude that they're still not a good team, but both of their road games, I mean, they're getting to the court, getting to the the town that the game is in like an hour and a half before it starts. Like they've had travel troubles because of the wind and level. Well, could they, could they maybe? Could, could they maybe start trying to get there earlier? Like, K-State went a they day did. early in Morgantown. They did. They couldn't because of travel. I mean, there was a freaking blizzard in Iowa. So, and then well, they, the storms. I mean, they the could have. I don't, I feel like you could have. I just saw some Iowa State folks talking about, like, couldn't, they could have driven a day earlier. I think they probably waited too long to try and actually get there. K-State yeah, went a day were, early to Morgantown. I'm just, I know K-State went a day early to Morgantown because they were worried about the weather. Right. Well, Oklahoma State tried to go a day earlier to Iowa. They couldn't go. Well, you want to go to two days early? <laughs> I mean, guys, guys, guess what? Well, K State got, well, got there on Sunday for a Tuesday game, didn't they? Monday. Monday. Yeah. Guys, guess what? I think they. I think they went on Sunday, man. The K State left for Morgantown on Sunday. I don't, I don't know, but I know what I do know. I got the Baylor breakdown for you guys. You want you want a couple of few numbers on Baylor? It's more than a few. Uh, number 14 and uh, number 14 team in Ken Palm, their offense ranks fourth nationally. Their defense is 58th. If you recall last year, defense was a huge weakness for Baylor. They were number 107 in the nation defensively, according to Ken Palm, but had the number two offense in Ken Palm last year. Over the last four seasons, they've had a top 10 offense in Ken Palm. They were number eight, 2001, 22 year. They were number two in 2020, 21 as well. Their defense, though, took a huge step back last year. They had a top 25 defense for three consecutive seasons until last year. This year, they've improved some, but as you watch them, they're not great at defending at the rim. Once again, that was their big weakness last year, and so they had some issues there. The thing that stands out, obviously, about Baylor, near 44% from three on the season. That is number one in the nation. They're the best three-point shooting team to date in the country, but over their last three games, which are all Big 12 games, they're 17 of 58 from three. 29%. And as KSU fan pointed out in our group chat the other day, it's just not, there was an article, it's just not sustainable to shoot at the clip that they're shooting right now. So hopefully that cold spell continues from three and they shoot it from under 30% and Manhattan on Tuesday night. Baylor number two nationally an effective field goal percentage at 58%. Not a surprise with their three point percentage. They're six nationally and overall field goal percentage at near 51%, 47th in the nation at two point percentage at 54%. 26 in the country at 9.4 made threes per game. But the reason for that, while they shoot the ball tremendously from three, they're actually a pretty high-volume two-point shooting team. They're 210th in the country at three-point rate at under 37%. So in other words, a little more than 63% of their overall field goal attempts come from inside the arc from two-point range. Uh, 54th in the country in free throws attempted per offensive play, 37th in free throws made per 100 possessions, Uh, you know, 35th in offensive rebounding percentage at 33%. K-State's number 12 at 36%. Baylor, not a terrific defensive rebounding team. 103rd in the nation there at 75%. We mentioned K-State 240th at 71% in defensive rebounding percentage. If you look at overall rebounding rate, K-State 36th in the country. Baylor 29th in the country. Baylor last year was 301st in the country at defensive rebounding percentage at 70%. So they've taken a a big step there. Both very similar in turnovers per possession, forced each at 17.8%. So Baylor's not going to turn you over. At a high clip, uh, Baylor 31st nationally and defending the three at 29.6%. K-State 123rd. But Baylor's 194th in two-point defense, giving up at least close to 51% from two. K-State's 27th in the country at two-point defense at around 45%. Baylor 306th in opponent two-point rate. 
So in other words, um, opponents shoot twos against them on nearly 67% of their field goal attempts. So uh, teams are going to try to go in and attack them on the inside. And obviously they've, they've got a lot of talent at guard. Jacoby Walter, the number nine player in the country in the on three consensus, the number two shooting guard, six foot five freshman leading scorer at over 15 points per game, shooting nearly 39% from three, 43% from the floor overall, attempts nearly six threes per game. Last year, they had true freshman Keontae George, who was a top 10 recruit in the country at guard. He was a, a NBA draft pick this last year. He led them at over 15 points per game or was second behind Adam Flagler last year. And then Ray J. Dennis, transfer guard from Toledo, second in the Big 12 with 6.3 assists per game, nearly 14 points per game, 53% from the floor, 41% from three, over 1,700 career points. He's a career 54% shooter on twos. Only 21% of his career field goal makes have come from three, so he's going to get on the inside. And Jaden Nunn, a 6'4 transfer guard from BCU, just a, a lot of talent at guard, obviously. That's a lot on Baylor, I know, but uh, I had to get that out there for you guys. I, I did some work on him. Well, they're they're always they're always heavy with the guards, man. I mean, they've got a really good backcourt, and they just got a commitment from another. That was a guard, right? The five-star kid that committed to them over Kentucky and somebody else. Yeah, so it's good yeah, number five player in the country, VJ Edgecombe. Uh, huge commitment for them. They've got a one of their best classes ever coming in. I think they're currently third in the country in recruiting rankings. Three top 30 players coming in in next year's class that are currently committed to them. I didn't even miss and, mentioned Bez Missy there. I probably mispronounced that. Uh, and They didn't have the pronunciation guide on Baylor's website, but he's their seven-foot big man. That starts where he's a true freshman and was the number 37 recruit in the country he's averaging nearly 10 points per game and uh six rebounds per game nearly two blocks a 65 percent from the floor he's from cameroon um he was actually number 29 player in the country in the 23 recruiting class i mispronounced that and josh iguana 610 sophomore big from nigeria averaging six points per game on 80 percent shooting if you watch baylor play they just throw it up to iguana and he uh he goes up and uh, dunks it on he's a rim runner and most of his shot attempts are alley-oops dunks lobs on rolls so uh two talented seven foot big men uh, as well a lot of talent on this team didn't even mention jalen bridges or links and love who are really good players yeah i mean you gotta you gotta give it up to scott drew dude the guy the guy pulls in a bunch of talent is just a he's got a really good operation rolling right now at waco uh thankfully this game will be played in bramlage so we don't have to watch from uh the empire state building in that angle that um is in baylor's new arena which does look very nice I think the last point I would make on hoops before we touch just a, a little bit on football is that, I mean, the good news is if you look throughout the course of the league, like there are two unbeaten teams to the first three games. Like everybody looks pretty vulnerable. And one of those teams is Baylor. The the two unbeatens are Baylor who we're talking about and how gettable they look. And then the other one is Texas Tech, who you, you probably should have just beaten. So, I mean, it's just going to be a wild league schedule. Like the, with what we've seen so far, West Virginia beats Texas, right? Texas now is one and two. They don't look very good. Uh, you've got TCU ripping off a couple of really nice wins. They look good, but Houston's lost a couple of times already. Kansas goes down at, at UCF and debatably should have lost at home that that first game to TCU. So I don't. It just seems like it's going to be a really wild, wild ride throughout Big Twelve play. And I feel like K State, what they've shown so far, can go out there and basically beat or lose to anybody in the in the conference. Hard to disagree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's it's absolutely the case. I mean, talking about TCU, it very easily could be three and zero with a road win at KU, a home win over Houston, a home win over Oklahoma. They could have three top ten wins in Big Twelve play on the resume, if not for for what transpired in the last minute in Lawrence. And so, yeah, the the league is going to be very hard to predict. That and look, Jerome Tang went two and zero against Baylor last year, and Scott Drew. So it'll yeah. be uh and what K State has lost two home games in the Jerome Tang era in Bramlage Coliseum, one being the Nebraska and then the Texas game last year that they had controlled for much of the game. So, yeah, anytime you're at home, uh, you, you feel like you got a, a puncher's chance, a decent shot, and the students should be back, and it'll be a little cold getting into Bramlage Coliseum, but the good thing is it's basketball is heated. So get in there and pack the place, and uh, let's have an electric atmosphere. Should be a good time. I know I think John and I will be there in our, our seats, so. Looking forward to it, and uh, wouldn't call it warm, but it'll still be about 15, 20 degrees warmer than it's been. Yeah, it'll be it'll be better than than what we're having lately for sure. And so, and then, yeah, I mean, how important is this game? Like, does K State 
like I, I don't know. It seems like calling it a must win is silly at this point, but they don't have a quad one win yet on their resume. And, and then Oklahoma state's not going to be a quad one win. So like you're, you're talking about getting into 18, 19 games in the season. Now Villanova is right on the cusp of a quad one win. They can get into that status, but it just feels like you, you really need some of these high profile wins to start, start chalking up. You do. It, it, and look, USC's on the doorstep of being a quad three loss. So that, 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 that could be a black eye at some point as well. I mean, that team is uh, in really bad shape. And if that falls to quad three, uh, that's, that's a, like I said, it's a black eye. So, and yes, it's great that you have the potential to take advantage of some of these, like you, you already took advantage of beating UCF at home. You get Oklahoma state twice and you get West Virginia at home for a sec for a second matchup with them. But guess what? Even if you go five and zero against that, like it's a weird year in the big 12 where like, Look, if you go five and zero against them and get four other Big Twelve wins, I I don't know if that's enough because nine and nine is usually is enough in the Big Twelve, and I'm not saying it won't be, but that's five wins of the nine that are not quad win. Yeah. Quad win. yeah, and 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 Providence ever since they lost Bryce Hopkins, they've lost three in a row. I've got to, I've got to interject. I was just about to ask, like, is does Providence is that lost and gone forever? And then I pull up their Ken Palm while you were talking, and I was like, oh well, no, they've lost four in a row. Um. And Bryce Hopkins is injured, and Ken Palm's predicting that they wind up at uh, 18 and 13 and sub 500 yeah. in the big year. They, 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 and, and I was just stressing to Cole's point uh, about the quad one stuff because that is important and, and probably more important than net ranking. They use net ranking not necessarily to see where you're ranked, but to, to look at your quality of wins. And that's why, to Cole's point, it kind of matters more this year in Big 12 play who Kansas State beats and what type of wins they do yeah. have because yeah. they didn't get a quad one win and not got maybe if Villanova gets in there, but otherwise they didn't. And at five of your nine wins are against UCF, West Virginia, and UCF. I just don't know if that's enough. Yeah, and, and Xavier, Xavier just won at Providence by 20 points, and Xavier was eight and seven. And that 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 stung Providence. They dropped 13 spots in the net all the way to 69. They were hovering on a quad one win for K-State, but that's not looking like it's going to happen. As we're recording, Villanova's about to tip against Marquette on the road. They're like 31 or 32. They got to get into the top 30 of the net for a quad one since it was a home game. So we'll see. I think Villanova has a shot, but uh, yeah, they got to start. They got to knock off some of these, these teams, which is why the Tech game was a big opportunity that they could have had, but I, I have to be transparent and candid. I didn't expect K-State to win at Tech. You know, they were seven and a half point underdogs. I didn't really give them much of a shot. So the fact that they were there at the end, I got to give credit to Jerome Tang and the staff and the players for being in a position to win that game. Yeah. So, Oh, I mean, 110%. The fact that we are as frustrated as we are by the loss at Texas Tech speaks to the job that they're doing. I mean, it's unreal. If you... And Day-Day Ames, you know, being hurt. I know he hasn't been very good, but yeah, just to but, even yeah. enter in the backcourt, like they're just making they're making some lemonade out of lemons right now with the hand they've been dealt this year. If you told me Day-Day wasn't going to play, I would have thought it was probably a double-digit game. And falling behind like 10 early. Yeah, I mean, look, you got a great coach. You got a great coach there. You got a great coach of the football program. And I, I do want to mention this because I, I said, if you watch the YouTube channel, um, Alabama is not the job that you're really going to have to worry about if you're a Big 12 fan, but you're going to have to watch out for the ripple effect of that because whoever gets hired there, there will probably inevitably there will be multiple Big 12 coaches mentioned. And sure enough, there were there were six, in fact, on the initial list from Pete Thamel at the Washington for the Washington opening when it came open. Now, the drama as it all unfolded on Sunday was about Lance Leipold uh, of Kansas. And if you listen to um Jason Shear of the Arizona 24-7 site, who I think is as plugged in on Arizona as anybody, he would tell you that Leipold was really the guy that they were pursuing on Sunday. He turned it down, and then it comes to Jed Fish. Um, and I I mean, I have no reason to not believe him there. But Chris Kleiman was also a name mentioned there. He has a connection with the athletic director at Washington. They were both, they overlapped at Northern Iowa together. And so there was reason to be concerned. Um, but I... I I don't know. I'm going to start it by saying this, and then I'll let you guys, you know, you guys are better with the the info here. I'll let you guys kind of divulge what you want to, but I will just say this about all that. I know all the attention was on Leipold and Fish. The last two coaching carousels should make you appreciate, just take our word for it, 
<laughs> and maybe, you know, sign up patreon.com slash three ma if you want a little bit more. Take our word for it. Like the last two coaching cycles should make you really, really, really appreciate Chris Kleiman. <laughs> like really appreciate Chris Kleiman. I am someone needs to just remind me when I get frustrated about something during the season, you know, inevitably if there's a stinker in the non-con. <laughs> Um, remind me about the last two coaching carousels and what has happened there and what Kleiman has done or not done. And uh, I need to be sure to be immensely grateful uh, for the man because of that. I will just say that much. Yeah. His loyalty to Kansas State's pretty rare, I would say. Um, not because usually coaches always listen. Obviously, from all intents and purposes, Lance Lightbulb was at least listening. Uh, I think Chris Kleiman. You know, both for Washington this year and Nebraska last year, was certainly had the opportunity to be the head coach in Lincoln or to be the head coach in Seattle, and basically just dis- dismissed it with very little to no fanfare. So, um, I continue to think that he has every intention of, you know, finishing his career at Kansas State. The true test would be if I were to open, but but anything outside of that, I just don't think there's anything remotely to worry about on that front. One thing I know, really real, real quick, I'm just going to say about the Nebraska thing because I know someone would be like, well, well, I mean, it was Matt Rule that was clearly the number one target. If you go read Mitch Sherman, uh, who I think now is with the Athletic, he's covered Nebraska for years. He used to be with ESPN. He did a great write up uh, in the immediate aftermath of the Rule hiring where he outlined, yeah, they tried to get Rule the first time around, and Rule was kind of like, eh, I don't know. And so they had to go away from Rule for a little while. And at that point, that's where Chris Kleiman comes in. So if Kleiman had been very interested in $7 million at Nebraska at that point, he then it probably goes down that road. But Kleiman didn't, and then eventually they went back to rule, made a huge push, and got him. So that's that's the kind of thing that we're talking about here. Go ahead, Cole. I'm sorry. Well, I was just, uh, Chris Kleiman is so well-respected respected in the coaching industry. I mean, all you have to do is point to people thinking Alabama may be making a phone call to Chris Kleiman. I mean, Greg McElroy was basically making a pitch, former Alabama quarterback, now with ESPN, for for Chris Kleiman to get a phone call and to be the next head coach at Alabama. He's very well respected. He's turned down multiple opportunities to go to other programs that are in the so-called Power 2 now, um, and he's declined them. And the thing that I really respect about Chris Kleiman and how he handles this is he hasn't leveraged them like to get more money out of Kansas State. Chris Kleiman could be making a lot more money than he currently is. Like, who, who, I, I felt like... I felt like you were about to say, you know, Chris Kleiman hasn't leveraged them like... Yeah, yeah, there's some other coaches. Yeah, there's... Who would you drop in there that seems uh, to have his his school over a freaking barrel and maybe like, you know, literally over a barrel where they have no stadium right now, you know? I mean, there's another coach that loves to take that opportunity to leverage the school that he loves so much. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's no question. And I mean, he's, he's in a position where he can do that. And obviously, Chris Kleiman could do that too, but he has chosen not to hold his school's feet to the fire with this stuff. And, you know, because, I mean, what, what you, you guys saw what Washington paid Jen Fish. We, we know the number that was out there potentially for Chris Kleiman as well. And it was a pretty significant increase. And Chris Kleiman didn't go to Gene Taylor and say, I need you to match. He didn't drag this thing out. He, uh, he quickly just turned it down without any fanfare. He didn't let the rumors circulate. And, uh, so, a lot of ton of a ton of respect and admiration for how Chris Kleiman and his agent handle these situations. And uh, if you're a K State fan, you should just feel really good that he's turned down some some pretty good opportunities, including a team that just played in the national championship to remain your head coach at Kansas State. Seven point seven five million per year is what Jed Fish is is going to be paid. So certainly reason to believe that it would have been uh, very much in that ballpark. Uh, now, I guess the other thing to say about that is. It does make that that non-con look a little easier. <laughs> I mean, Willie Fritz is gone from Tulane, uh, and now Jed Fish is gone from Arizona. A lot of it with Arizona is going to depend on whether or not they hang on to uh, Fafita and, and McMillan and their uh, dynamic quarterback and wide receiver combination there, and they'll have to make higher here pretty quick. But uh, certainly looks better. That makes sense. And it, and it knocks out. It could also knock out who was probably going to be the Big Twelve favorite. You know, I mean, this if you're you know, I mean, you think about the day for Kansas. I mean, if Lance Leipold takes that job, Arizona's still there. Who knows what happens to the Kansas roster? Instead, now they've they've kept Leipold, and potentially the biggest contender in the Big Twelve, Arizona, is going to take a massive roster hit with the thirty day portal window now open with a with a coaching change there. I just that it was dramatic for a reason. 
uh, with everything that was happening on Sunday, if you were on Twitter, uh, trying to follow what was going on with that coaching search. So, yeah, no, it's 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 ripple yeah. effects of it for next year. It's huge that KU was able to retain Lightbulb because of so many other guys that are coming back that would have potentially entered the portal and obviously how big he's been for that football program. So it's monstrous for them that they keep him. You know, I was kind of torn on the Jed Fish thing, John, because K-State only has six home games next year, and uh, I was kind of looking forward to a top 15 non-con game in Manhattan uh, and that. Now, I mean, Arizona, it depends on roster retention. I mean, look at McMillan the talented, talented wide receiver, and Vafoda enter the quarterback, then Arizona's in a world of hurt. If they could retain those guys, they'll be fine probably. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're gonna, if those guys enter the portal, they're going to be the mo- some of the most sought-after guys in the entire portal t- time since it, the windows have opened. So a lot of talent on that Arizona team that we're coming back, which is why I think you see the reaction that you see emotionally out of Arizona fans is because – they just had a top 15 year and this was potentially going to be their, their best season. And, and so, so long with everything coming back. I mean, I can understand how hurt they are that the, their head coach left because I, an argument could be made that Jed fish should have waited one more year. And, you know, he could have had a top 10 type season with this group and then really elevated himself and gotten his pick of the litter. Not that Washington's a bad job. It's, it's a good deal for him too. Yeah. The, the weird thing about it to me was that, Jed Fish is a guy that spent a lot of time in the NFL and would seem like you could definitely have a good job in the NFL. I mean, I, they're, I guess, good jobs in the NFL open right now. It seems like Jim Harbaugh is about to take one, but could have had a really good NFL job after a huge year with Arizona next season, or he's a Florida alum, and I mean, I can tell you right now, Billy Napier is going to be gone after this year. There's no way Billy Napier is turning that thing around in, in Gainesville. So I was surprised. I'll be honest. I was surprised that, that Jed Fish took the job, but they got it locked down. Kudos to Washington. Um, K-State did have – oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, just kind of went through the, the AP pool, just released Kansas State women's basketball team's number seven. Hey, finally some respect. Finally some respect around here. Yeah, huge win. Huge win for the K-State women over Texas. I watched the entire thing, Cole. Watched the entire thing. I know I know you watched the entire thing. It was it was hilarious to have you in the group chat texting, uh, which, yeah, by the way – And you were like – they're hanging with like the number 10 team in the country and it's like a three-point game and if i was not watching that game i'm and just looking at kurtz's messages i would have thought we were down by 20. what do you mean john was like like talking up i walk but no in the first moments and then all of a sudden no the only thing the only thing no there was only one you're way overblowing one message i watched like the first five minutes of the game and texas looked much more athletic and i was just like and it k-state was struggling to get shots off and i was just like well I was like, I'm, this doesn't seem that impressive, right? And everyone was kind of like, oh, this is a really good team. You know, just hang on. And then obviously well, they won the game. Which you knew because you listened to the pod that I did with Missy Heydrich, uh, <laughs> color analyst for K-State Women's Hoops. And I know you listened to that. So because you guys, and that's not a shot at that pod. I, I'm joking because as you guys all know that listen to Three Maw, these two don't listen to much of my shows that I do independently on the side without them on there. So that that's fine. Uh but they jumped five spots in the pool then, top seven, because so many teams in front of them lost too. But hey, and and Mason renamed our, our group chat Gap Goat. So uh, we are fully bought in uh, on the women's hoops run. Huge win. Uh, another top 10 win, obviously knocked off Iowa. Still the only team to knock off the Hawkeyes this year. And then hand Texas, their second loss on the year. Texas is still number three in the NCAA net ranking. So a big win for the K-State women. Uh, as they move to 17 and one and five and zero in league play, go to TCU on the road this week. That'll be a tough contest if they can win that. They're in a, a tremendous position to have a shot at winning this league. Baylor's already got a couple losses too, so it's K State and Iowa State. Iowa State being the surprise that they're five and zero in the league too. So are they? What? What's the national? I mean, look here again, Mister Casual here for me, but. What's the national landscape looking like? Like, is there a dominant, like, number one? South Carolina, right? South Carolina is number one. But, uh, yeah. And Iowa jumped up to two. Colorado is number three. Yeah. Colorado beat LSU in the non-con, and and they just destroyed, I think, Stanford. I don't know if they destroyed, but I think they beat Stanford yesterday. Um, I mean, and LSU's rough right now, as our producer just said as well. So, yeah. But they've been really struggling. They'll probably get it together by the NCAA tournament. They they pretty much have everyone back, and then some from last year's championship team. But, I mean, K-State beat the number two team in the country on the road, and they're the only team to beat them. 
Yeah, so I, I look forward to when John brings Charlie Cream, ESPN women's basketball bracketologist, on the show, and uh, we'll have him talk about. I'm kidding. I don't want to promise that we'll get Charlie Cream on, but uh, it would be interesting to hear his thoughts. I, I would I, I would estimate K State's probably a two seed right now, and with the women's tournament, like if you're what a top four seed or top sixteen overall team in the bracket, you get to host, right? The first We're gonna host, yeah. Yeah, well, I, my question, Cole, was going to be, I mean, is there like, is this a team that, you know, is this Final Four National Championship oh. good? I, I don't I don't know. I should have asked that to Missy when I had her on, honestly, and and I, I will probably get her on again. I didn't ask yeah. that question. You, you need me to do it next time? It would probably be better, and I let Missy know that you yelled at me for tweeting at her about having her on when you have a phone number, so <laughs> she laughed. So Okay. Okay, Anyways, uh, yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. No, shout out to Missy. I like Missy a lot. Uh, yeah. She's really good at what she's really good at. Yeah, she's she's yeah. tremendous. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll get her on again to talk women's hoops. I told her we we'd love to have her on again. I, this team's fun to watch, and and they certainly deserve it. One of the best defenses in America. Uh, is there any Shaz Preston update? He visited from Alabama this weekend. We know he made it. We know that he made it. I saw. I actually I laughed. I saw. Someone, I think it was, was it on the Discord call that someone put a screenshot from his Instagram? Uh, I think so. Yeah, they were going into like a gas station. Yeah. Well, it was, it was him just like standing outside in the, in the freezing cold outside of the, I was like, dude, it was, it was the gas station. Um, what is that liquor store? Like Rickles that's by the, yeah. the, um, not the laundromat, but the, where I used to take my dry cleaning, like the dry cleaners that's right there, like by the loo, you know what I mean? Kind of like by the loo in that little corner with the gas station there. And I was like, Sheesh. I mean, look, no, love that place. And I've spent a lot of time over there, but like, I don't, can we get the guy to like a cooler part of town? Like something more going on than just standing outside of like the Lou and Rickles and all this stuff. Like I, you know, anyway, he was there. He was in Manhattan. He was definitely oh, in Manhattan. There went the Lou as a sponsor. Damn it. The Lou is shut down. I don't think it exists anymore. No, I think they reopened. All right. Don't be slandering the Lou on here. I think they reopened. I, we, I like not, the Lou. I'm we, eating a pickled. I've eaten a pickled egg there before, folks. We need to clear. We do not know if the Lou is open or closed. So uh, I think they are open, but uh, just got to put that asterisk. But maybe let's go have a drink there. We'll go have a drink there. Correct. We're gonna get so many people. If I'm wrong, we're gonna get so many people tweeting at me. But I don't. Yeah. I don't think that's okay. correct. I thought the Lou shut down for a um, period of time. I believe so. All right, Saturday we'll go have a drink there before the Oklahoma State game. You got the double header. We got a gap. Between the women's game at one against KU and the men's game at six, so double header. Get to Bramwich Coliseum on Saturday, and uh, join us at the Lou at four p.m. Hoping that they're open. Uh, don't know the hours or anything. John thinks they're great. Are you, are you going to? Are you going to both of them, Cole? Uh, yeah, I, I might try. It, I uh, admittedly, if the Steelers beat the Bills, I do have Chiefs tickets for the second round game, which would be Saturday if that happens. So uh, we'll we'll see. Oh God, that's gonna be. Well, that that won't be Saturday night, will it? Are we gonna have overlap? I think it's like three thirty, so it would be. But but that's that's in the unlikely scenario that the Steelers beat the Bills today. Otherwise, if the Chiefs played Buffalo at Buffalo, it'll be a Sunday game. Okay, so okay, yeah. Anyways, so uh, did we get to Shaz Preston? Like, I think we just argued about the Lou instead. I mean, he's uh, in Manhattan. I know he's in Manhattan. Uh, he's not in Manhattan anymore. He's not in Manhattan anymore. Okay, he he made it to Manhattan. He made it to Manhattan. That's the point. That's the point. All right? D.Y., thoughts? I picked Tulane. How dare you? Yeah, it's tough to sell in you Louisiana. Did. Like, you put in a prediction? If I did, I would pick Tulane. I mean, John, you saw our group text last night about this, right? Like, do you read the text sometimes? No, yeah, I, I think it, it, he's a Louisiana kid, uh, and I, I think didn't it's a, see this at all. No, when did this happen? Oh, gosh, I want to read so, it right now. Why do we even don't don't read everything in there? Probably. <laughs> uh, so just gonna say, you want me to start uh, rolling down here? There was, no, there was, I, I, I gotta be honest, there was like a really inside baseball in-depth discussion about the roster and transfers and guys moving positions, and I was kind of just like, yeah, uh, okay, all right, okay, I see it now, I see it, I see it now. <laughs> I kind of tuned it out when I was like, all right, look, I, I love K-State football, <clears throat> but on January 15th, I'm just, 
I'm not super interested in a conversation about whether Malcolm Alcorn Crowder is going to play inside or outside all the time. Would you stop revealing the the inside information we're texting about, about a defensive end potentially moving to de-tackle some and rotating? That is, oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to mark that privilege. I'm going to get an attorney in our group chat to make sure that you don't be sharing that. Uh, no. Yeah, I, I did. It's, it's going to be hard. Doing, I'm sorry. It just wasn't doing that much for me, man. When we had like, uh, you know, Chiefs game, we had the Jed Fish, Lance Leipold stuff going on, like climbing, turning down Washington, like basketball at Texas Tech one point game. I, there was just too much else to, to be interested in than to really be paying attention to that conversation. Anyway, um, sponsors are really getting what they paid for today. Uh, shout out to uh, our friends at Holiday Distillery, Home Field Apparel. And good old DraftKings and Ontario. They probably have to deal with frozen pipes a lot, man. Poor Ontario. Frozen pipes and no DraftKings. That's a rough life to live. Um, but we we appreciate them. Uh, for Nick Springer behind the scenes, Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Patreon.com slash 3 if you want more of that. Uh, thank you for listening. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.